The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by Pacific Life. Protecting generations of families for 150 years, that's the power of Pacific. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Monday, November 6th. In today's news, a gunman kills more than two dozen people at a church. New court filings show that at least nine people in Donald Trump's orbit were in contact with the Russians last year. And Rand Paul's injuries after being attacked by his neighbor are much worse than initially thought. But first, today's big idea comes to you from Fairfax, Virginia. Democratic drama on the eve of the Virginia governor's race foreshadows problems for the party in 2018. Virginians finally head to the polls on Tuesday in what's become a neck-and-neck governor's race. A rainy get-out-the-vote rally in Fairfax on Saturday night for Lieutenant Governor Ralph Northam was a fitting coda to a rough week for Virginia Democrats. One of the main speakers was Tim Kaine, who could have been elected vice president a year ago, but now faces a potentially competitive race to stay in the Senate next year. Just hours before he took the stage, it came out that the former interim chair of the Democratic National Committee wanted to drop him from the ticket last fall. Donna Brazil's scorched earth tell-all comes out on Tuesday, the same day as the election. Nuggets have been trickling out ahead of time. And in one, Brazil wanted to dump Hillary for Joe Biden and Kane for Cory Booker, the senator from New Jersey. As Kane spoke, more than 100 former senior Clinton aides issued an open letter decrying Brazil and the book. The senator left swiftly after his speech and still hasn't weighed in. The book's probably not going to keep anyone home, but it underscores the tensions and mistrust that exist between the party establishment and the progressive wing of the Democratic Party that Bernie Sanders appealed to last year. Several things like this happened last week in Virginia. Former Democratic Governor Doug Wilder is refusing to endorse Northam. Last week, in fact, he publicly criticized Northam for not including the Democratic nominee for lieutenant governor, Justin Fairfax, on some of his own literature. Environmental groups are angry at Northam for declining to condemn two natural gas pipelines planned in rural parts of the state. But trade unions like these pipelines because they mean jobs. So Fairfax, who's running as part of the Democratic ticket but is on the ballot separately from Northam, is in a position where he's often criticizing the projects. And as a result, some unions have declined to support him. One, the Laborers International Union of North America asked the Northam campaign last month to print flyers that omitted Fairfax so that they could distribute them to their members. Some in the African-American community felt there was a racial component to this decision since Fairfax is African-American. The campaign apologized. Also last week, Democracy for America, a liberal activist group that was founded by Howard Dean after his 2004 presidential campaign, announced that it is no longer going to do any work to help Northam after he announced that he would ban sanctuary cities if one ever appears in Virginia. That's a flip-flop from his earlier position, and it follows lots of attack ads from the Republican candidate Ed Gillespie. There were a couple other instances like this, too, where different groups were criticizing their own party's nominee on the eve of the election, which is never good. I've written a lot about how hard it is for the Republican candidates up in 2018 to thread the needle vis-a-vis President Trump, but Democrats have their own problems that should not be discounted. Many liberals have been grumbling in the Commonwealth that the mild-mannered Northam is too low-key and too moderate. He's faced intense pressure from the professional left to attack Trump harder, even though private polls and focus groups show that that's not necessarily an effective message with independents and even moderate Democrats, but Northam has struggled to find the right balance. Bottom line here, history and the fundamentals still favor Northam. A Northam win on Tuesday night, even a very narrow one, would stop a lot of this bedwetting and quiet the second guessing. 
If he loses, though, the recriminations on Wednesday will be intense. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, a lone gunman killed at least 26 people at a small community church in Sutherland Springs, Texas on Sunday morning. So far, the dead range in age from five years old to 72. Witnesses say the gunman used an assault rifle. A local resident engaged with the gunman in a battle as the shooter exited the church. The gunman fled in high speed with the civilian who was also armed in pursuit before running off the roadway where he was found dead. President Trump asserted in a news conference in Tokyo, where he's traveling, that the gunman had mental health problems. He said that, not gun control, is to blame. Number two, new court filings show that at least nine people in Donald Trump's orbit, including Donald Trump Jr. and Attorney General Jeff Sessions, had contact with Russians during the 2016 presidential campaign and transition. Documents released last week as part of George Papadopoulos' guilty plea show that special counsel Robert Mueller's team is deeply interested in the Trump campaign's operations at even the lowest levels. A key question in the investigation is whether these instances add up to a concerted Russian government effort to probe and infiltrate the Trump campaign, or whether they were isolated coincidences and are therefore inconsequential. Number three, Republican Senator Rand Paul is recovering from five broken ribs and bruises to his lungs following an attack on Friday that was allegedly perpetrated by his next-door neighbor in Bowling Green, Kentucky. The nature of the dispute between Paul and his neighbor remains a mystery, and there's no indication that the attack was politically motivated. Both men are medical professionals in Bowling Green. Paul's recovery could take several months. It's unclear when he's going to return to Washington. And that's The Daily 202 for Monday, November 6th. You can read much more about the Virginia governor's race in a new Washington Post poll in my newsletter at WashingtonPost.com slash Daily 202. Thanks so much for listening. I'm James Holman, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. 